0: Change, yeah. Welcome to the Architect of Change show change, with your host Connie Whitman change, yeah. of Whitman and Associates. Now here's Connie.
1: <laughs> Hi, I'm Connie Whitman, your host, and you're listening to Architect of Change on WebTalkRadio.net. Thanks so much for joining me this this week. So I couldn't decide between the motivational quotes, so I actually landed on two, which I will share with you today. The first is by Harvey McKay, and it says. Most fears of rejection rest on the desire for for approval from other people. Don't base your self-esteem on their opinions. My second quote is by Louise Hart, it says. Self-esteem is as important to our well-being as legs are to a table. It is essential for physical and mental health and for happiness. What is self-esteem? Is it important to our success and happiness? Is everyone born with it but lose it as we are programmed by life, media, and role models in our orbit? Is it true that our responses and thought processes are actually learned behaviors from generations gone by? If this is true, is there any hope for us to break the chains that bind us and rise like a phoenix in order to become a newer, better version of ourselves? There's help on its way. Today my guest, my guest is Dr. Patricia Knoll. She's author, speaker, televised self-esteem expert, and she's going to help us understand what it means to have self-esteem, to be, in quotes, good with me. And it's important in the workplace. It, she is going to share with us why faking it until you make it doesn't work and what we can do instead. And her new book, Good With Me, explores this topic fully. Are you ready to learn how to be really happy just by shifting your understanding and thoughts about self-esteem? Open your minds and visualize your rise from the ashes and meet your new self. Welcome, Patricia. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you. It's such an honor to be here. Um, So we have so much to talk about, and the book will give them all the info at the end, uh, good with me, but we'll give them how to get it and signed copies and all that good stuff. So let's jump in. Why I love that I love that um, faking it until you make it, which I don't believe in either. But why don't why doesn't it
2: work to fake it until you make it? Because we never stop faking it, and we never quite make it. And <laughs> even <laughs> right, it's as simple as that, right? It's as simple as that. It is. You know, just stop and think about it. We can have a lot of confidence in what we do. And we oftentimes think that self-esteem, we get it mixed up with self-esteem. And yet, if we're really, this is a term I like to use sometimes, dirt honest with ourselves, we have that feeling inside that we really aren't there. We really didn't make it. We, we know how to do something really well. We're really skilled at something. But we still have that sense that we're phony inside.
1: So now now you said that confidence and self-esteem are really two very different things. Can you define each or or give an example if that's easier?
2: Um, An example of confidence would be just that I know I'm good at this. I know uh, certain things and I'm confident about that as opposed to self-esteem, which is the way that we feel about ourselves. And we may think we have self-esteem, which means I esteem myself. I respect myself. I feel good about who I am. And we often get that confused with I have confidence in what I do, what I know, what I, what I can do. So there's there's a difference. Can, can you see that difference? Does that make yeah, sense?
1: Did, yes, and, and yes. And I just, I, I have to comment on that. So, you know, with my business and everything, I've been doing that 15 years, but I've been in this industry and sales for 32 years, right? So I have all this experience. So when I speak on my topic, I know it so well that I project confidence. And then when you start chatting with people, you know, more on a one-on-one level and you share your vulnerabilities and your fears and all of those things, and they, they laugh, they go, oh my God, I never knew... You had that self-doubt, that record player, I was called the record player in my head, that you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, whatever it is, and I know I'm confident with my business stuff, but then I lack self-confidence maybe with my appearance, or um, you know, my height, I'm very tall, I'm 5'11", so I'm always very self-conscious of my height. All of those things are the self-esteem part, and people are shocked because they see you as so confident. So it's just very interesting. It's it's what you project, right, because you're confident about your topic, but then that inner self is that big question mark of, what if I'm not good enough? What if, what if, what if? Um, That whole fear, you know, the whole fear kind of kicks in.
2: That's right. What are they thinking about me? Do they like who I am? Am I getting their approval? All All the inner chatter that continues even when we have confidence in what we know, what we do.
1: That's right. That's right. It's you know, and everybody's got that voice, right? That inner voice that loves Absolutely. to yeah, loves to undermine us
2: all the time.
1: That's now right. you've, you've written the book Good with Me. By the way, I love the title, in which you refer to being a good with me person. What does it mean to be a good with me person?
2: A good with me person is happy with who they are. Just because it doesn't have to have a reason attached to it it is liking who you are just because you exist and for no other reason and also it means that we like who we are we're good with ourselves from the inside out instead of from the outside in and by that I mean I like myself regardless of what is going on outside of me.
1: Yeah, yeah. And here's the thing, though, Patricia.
2: I I think that most people
1: struggle with feeling just good enough. And the reason I say that, um, a, a couple of things. First, Facebook. You know, certainly I'm on Facebook. I only post business stuff and the shows and and that kind of thing. I really don't post stuff about my kids. I don't think I'm that important to other folks. Really, the, the Facebook, I think from a social aspect, and there's been studies done on this and I, I believe it to be true that people look at those Facebook which are just highlights in people's lives and then they compare themselves of my kids don't smile for pictures like that oh they're on another trip how lucky are they and and look at what others are doing and then have that inner voice of well I'm not good enough My we can't afford to take a vacation my house doesn't look that nice my kids fight all the time they never smile in pictures meanwhile you don't know so it's five minutes before that picture was taken. Whoever the parents are are screaming at their kids, "If you don't smile, I'm going to rip your face off!" Right? Um, what it took to get the smiles from the kids. So we have this whole persona outside seeking, I think, seeking that recognition. Um, we we just live in a very superficial society. So that's a hard one for people, don't you
2: think? Well, yes, that's a hard one, then comparing ourselves to others and we especially do that when we don't have real self esteem. When yeah. and so we're always comparing. In fact we do it so much, Connie, that there's been a new term coined for that and it's called comparanoia.
1: Oh yes.
2: Right? We compare, yes. compare, compare, compare. And and there's one other word that I want to use with Facebook I've so often heard it referred to as a fake book. Yes. Right? Because yes. It, it's putting out this happy face to the external world when maybe it isn't what's real on the inside. But, and, and that's again, that's part of that faking it till you make it, and yet almost no one ever really makes it.
1: Right, because because you always have that self doubt, and and because we're always comparing to others. I you know I, I taped a show with um, another woman, uh, Deb Lewis, and we were talking about um, self esteem in in, in a certain regard. But when when we compare all the time, we we stop becoming grateful because you you're always looking at what you. Don't have or what you can't do versus look at all the blessings I do have and look at all the wonderful things I can do look at all my strengths. so we we strip ourselves down all the time and it's it we all do it I mean we all do it psychologically we do it and I think we're programmed from society too in school you you get you know in red marker minus three. Instead of saying plus 97, <laughs> you know. <Correct>. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. We're, we're almost programmed. So now you we discovered, and, and in the book you write about it, but you discovered a unique approach to real happiness that's changed the lives of many, including yourself. Can you tell us about that that unique approach?
2: Sure. Um as you, as you mentioned, you know, I've been a, a certified addictions professional. I, I have a drug and alcohol treatment program and I'm a licensed mental health counselor as well as some other things for over 26 years now. And the thing that I found running through every one of us, including myself, was this common thread. You know, what is it that keeps us coming back for more and coming back for more? And what I found was actually the concept of the two esteem, and here's you know my my discovery of other dependent esteem, which actually I think is is the root of unhappiness. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm dependent upon everyone and everything outside of me to make me happy, to make me feel good, and it isn't out there. So um, we have been taught, though, that we're only good enough if we have enough, do enough, know enough, accomplish enough, reach the right goal. And I think, again, that's where that paranoia comes into play, you know, because we're always checking to see, wow, am I on track? Am I doing this well enough? Am I getting there? Am I reaching my goal? So you know, the discovery of that for me totally changed my life and allowed me to start to see where real happiness lies and it isn't outside of me.
1: So the one self-esteem is the dependent self-esteem. What what do you term the other one? Did I miss that?
2: Right. There's self-dependent esteem, which is the the self-esteem that comes from the inside out. That's mine. I own it. I have it. It it exists for no reason other than I exist.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. And then the other esteem, the second esteem, which is the one that no one really knows about or has ever maybe thought about, is other dependent esteem. And that's what we've actually, Connie, been teaching as professionals, Yes. We've been yeah. teaching this, this notion of self-esteem that depends on someone or something outside of us to make us feel better, and then we're wondering why we don't feel good. So, you know, when we have esteem for who, when the esteem for who we are is dependent upon someone or something outside of ourselves, it just it comes and goes. You know, it doesn't last. Yeah, you know, you probably know as well as I. There just aren't enough kudos or praise or accomplishments to last.
1: No, it's true. And, you know, when when employees are asked, surveys are done, and employees are asked what's their favorite thing about work or what motivates them at work, the number one answer is the attaboys, the kudos that you did a great job, thanks for pitching in, um, you know, awesome effort today, whatever it is. And we don't get, really, especially in corporate America, I don't think we get enough of the attaboys. But you're right. We shouldn't we shouldn't need the attaboys to know that, hey, I gave it my all today. I really, you know, kicked butt today. And I sh- that should make me happy in itself. And we, you know, we hear oftentimes that happiness comes from within. It's really true, but the way you're defining it, I think, makes it clearer as to what that means. Happiness comes from within. Is you, you just have to be happy with who you are, just because. I love that. Versus because I'm a mom, because I'm a wife, because I'm a business owner, um, because I'm a good communicator, right? It, you know, because I have. Harvard degree, not me, but, you know, people out there. Whatever it is, I, I don't think that that doesn't define who we are. We are special because of who we are. And, I, you know, it's funny. I often say this. And people just kind of look at me like you're a wackadoo. But, you know, I say, you know what makes us so beautiful is all of our flaws because all of our flaws is what makes me, me, you, you. So we're not cookie cutters of each other, right? Right. And, and Connie, who says they're flaws? that's that true. Up? That's
0: right? true. That's
1: true. All of our all of our little um connyisms is, is what makes yeah. me
2: special, right? Instead of a flaw. That well said. That's Thank you for right. redefining me. Nicely done, yeah, yeah, there are several unique characteristics that make us so awesome.
1: It's true. That is you know, really true
2: and i and i'd like to ask you know everyone to just think about this for a minute because if they identify with 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 me and my experience because i have experienced a lifetime of this other dependent esteem and mm-hmm. i thought there was something wrong with me mm-hmm. you know i and and why because i wasn't as happy like everyone else seemed to be and i didn't know what to do to feel better so i did too much of just about anything that came along right i I drank too much, I shopped too much. I ate too much junk food. I just did too much. I had to have all the right things uh, and and then that allowed me, and here we get back to to fake that I was okay and I was as good as everyone else.
1: yeah and we do we most I think most of us it's a big it's a big facade of who we are. Versus just being and being happy with with who you are and where you are and and all of those things. Um, we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, you, you said that you've had all those experiences in your life of that kind of codependent um, esteem piece. What I want, I'm really curious as to what the big aha moment was for you. So let's take a break, and then we'll talk about that when we come back.
0: Okay? Okay. A speaker has little value to an audience unless you, the listener, is motivated and empowered to change. So next time you need to hire a speaker, don't hire someone that just talks. Hire an architect of change, Connie Whitman. Just ask for Connie by calling 732-888-1420. That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com.
1: Okay, we are back and we are talking to Dr. Patricia Knoll. And she is teaching us about self-esteem and the two types of self-esteem. And I'm curious, uh, Patricia,
2: what, what was your big aha moment for your life? The big aha moment for me was when I discovered that all of the things that I was depending upon for happiness weren't making me happy. Hmm. And everything I had been taught was not about me and about self-esteem. It was about everyone else. I was taught how to compare myself so that I could be better or work harder to be good enough. And that I, too, even as a professional at that time, was teaching other dependent esteem. And that if I, when I looked at the research, that somewhere between 85 to 90 plus percent of our society has. What we have been calling low self-esteem, which I say is the lack of self-esteem, its other dependent esteem.
1: Yeah, and yeah, yeah. we're always comparing. It's true. Was it? I think it was Branson. I saw a recent article um, where they had different quotes from him, and and he said that um, to be success. Well, he attributes his success to, and there were several things, and one of them was don't give a crap what other people are doing. Um, Just kind of do your thing, be you and go out and and conquer the world of the things that kind of get your mojo going and make you happy because only good could come from that. And I thought, wow, how, how, what he's probably that 10% that really has that self-esteem that it, yeah, but clearly, I mean, that's why he's so darn successful, but um, 85 to 90%, that's a frightening statistic. And yet, I, I think everybody listening is thinking, yeah, that's that's right, man. We we sit here and we compare ourselves um, all the time. Now, you believe that the lack of both self-esteem and other dependent esteem is a global issue that you know I, I know in some of your writings that create violence and mm-hmm. criminal activity. Why, especially as an
2: addiction counselor and all of those things, why do you feel that way? Well, well because here's here's what happens if we don't have Self-esteem. I don't like myself from the inside out. And I don't think that anyone else likes me either or any more than I do. So in other words, Connie, I don't have self-dependent esteem, and I don't think I have any other dependent esteem either. I haven't accomplished a whole lot. You know, I'm not doing what everybody says you're supposed to do. In order to have self-esteem, you have to accomplish goals and what have you. So I don't have any of that. So what happens then? I start to get a little, you know, I'm unhappy at first, and it starts in childhood many times. I'm unhappy, a little discontent. I'm concerning myself. I get a little depressed. I That depression turns into some anger. Uh, sometimes I start addictive behaviors at that point in time because I do find something that makes me feel better temporarily, or at least I have the illusion of it. Mm-hmm. And then that anger and that addiction turns into rage and I don't know what to do with that rage and that rage is so powerful that it has to do something. So it's either going to explode and when it does, I hurt you. When it implodes, I hurt me. And sometimes we see both. So that creates that violence, sometimes criminal activity and even sometimes suicide. And we can see that playing out in our daily news and our current events day after day after day. Just look at the school shootings, just look at the mall shootings, just look at the uh, the violence, the anger, the bullying, the bullied. It's everywhere. And we're not understanding the importance of the role of self-esteem in what's going on in our world.
1: You know, is there an answer, Patricia? That how do how do we obviously shows like this where we talk about this stuff, you know, and try to peel back the onion, so that you know, really, it does start with one person. I truly believe that. But how do we teach our children? How do we change this whole model of building self esteem? You know, what 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 are some things that my listeners can do to impact their their lives, their families' lives, et cetera? Well,
2: I, I the first thing I would say to them is start to pay attention to what you're thinking. What are they thinking about themselves? What are they aware of the way that they think? We're all always thinking all the time, and most people don't have a clue that they're the ones responsible for all that chatter in their head. You know, it's like it's somebody else doing all the talking when really it's us. And so we have to start paying attention to what we think that others are thinking about us and to really know that there's no way to know what others are thinking about us. We're just making it up. And I want people to start to think about How much do they depend upon others for approval? You know, that's where the the other dependent esteem and the self-dependent esteem come into play. Other dependent esteem is what I have found varies between low and high. You know, we're we're so used to referring to low self-esteem and high self-esteem. It's low other dependent esteem and high other dependent esteem. If you like me a lot today and I've accomplished a lot today and I have a lot going on, boy, I can feel all that esteem coming toward me and I esteem myself for the moment. just doesn't last very long. And if nothing's happening today, no one's really liking me a whole lot, no attaboys, no good kudos at the workplace, then I have low other dependent esteem right now I'm not feeling so good about myself it's all dependent upon someone else's approval and what they think about me so I want that to shift and
1: um, it, can, can I I want to ask you a question can. here so sure. so and and one of the shows and I, I can't for the life of me pull it out of my head right now but um, one of my guests um, she was a psychologist also and she said that 80% of our thoughts are are negative and
2: yes, I believe
1: I, that. I, I do believe that statistic, and it's it's a little frightening, but I do believe it. So, it I you know, I try to teach my kids when you have that thought, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough. Um, you know, my one son is in college now, and I was getting texts at the beginning, this is really hard, I don't know that I could do this. You know, all of that self-doubt. And really, mm-hmm. he just he just didn't have a routine, and I knew that, but he didn't, you know. And then about three weeks in, the text started coming, you know, I'm really liking it here, it was a good choice, and, you know, I saw the shift. But what I try to teach my kids is when you have that negative talk in your head, you spiral down. So all you have, and tell me if this is, a, is a good advice, I would love to hear what your advice would be, but I say to them, look at the thought and say, oh, hmm, I'm having a negative thought, I'm, I'm kind of lacking my, my confidence right now that I'm not going to be able to do this, I'm kind of in over my head, whatever it is, right? And then just say, okay, I see that thought, I acknowledge it, but you know what, I'm not going to think about that now because, you know, I can do this. And just shift their paradigm of thinking so that not to beat yourself up for having the negative thought because 80% of our thoughts are negative, so it's going to happen a lot mm-hmm. Just say, okay, I know you're there, but I choose to ignore you right now because I know I can do this and I'm going to work really hard so I do achieve this and I learn and I become a better version of myself. Is that, is that a good way to transition because the negative
2: thoughts keep coming in? Well, the negative thoughts will keep coming in until we learn to, as I call it, positive up and that is, you know, just getting positive and saying, okay, I can do this. That was perfect. Uh, you know, yes, I can do this and make that today's mantra. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And keep repeating it over and over and over again because here's the deal. Practice makes better. I do not want to teach practice makes perfect because then we're always falling short of the goal for the most part and we're never quite good enough. And I, I will take an exception to one thing that you said, and that is that I'm a better version of myself because I think I'm already the best version of myself.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true, right? right?
2: And yeah, yeah, and so it's just little things like that that we've all been conditioned to speak or think that sure. keep us stuck in not being good enough. yes and that's right. And not having it, right? And and we're so not aware of it, and that's where we have to just, really start to pay attention to the way that we're talking to ourselves and always just giving ourselves a pat on the back okay I had that negative thought all right I'm just gonna let it be there let it go but I'm gonna shift it to I can do this I, yep, am I got the it mm-hmm. yeah. I got it yeah. yep. we have
1: we have we have three minutes left Patricia do me a favor can you give like little five easy tips or three easy tips that people listening could literally end end listening to the show and start implementing it in their life?
2: Yes, I want them to start paying attention, and that is to begin by listening to their own thinking about themselves. And then when they identify it and they say, oh, it's negative, then I want them to shift the negative, because what a difference a thought makes. So shift the negative, and then... I want them to practice because, as I just said, practice makes better. So here's what I want them to do, and this one is really big. Begin each day with a positive thought about themselves and then repeat it over and over and over throughout the day. In fact, just pick a word, beautiful, magnificent, intelligent, whatever that is, just pick a word and just keep thinking it all day long. Just keep repeating it because here's – the important thing: you can only have one thought at a time. Sometimes it feels like more, but we can only have one. So if the thought is positive about who we are, then it can't be negative. You know that. Now, isn't this so funny? How simple, how
1: simple a task that is. Not even a text, but how simple an effort, I'm gonna use the word effort, to wake up and, and choose your word or your mantra for the day. And I would think if people like a mantra they could use it over and over, yes?
2: Yes, absolutely. Yes. So
1: Yeah. So if there's a mantra that you like, then you know, use it every day, but wake up, look in the mirror, say, magnificent, awesome. Fabulous, whatever it is, or a full sentence, and then just say it throughout the day. It's that simple. And you know, I, I'm in the Northeast and New Jersey. We have very, very bad traffic in the morning, so I know a lot of people <laughs> listen to me on oh, their way to work. I, I I commute with them, and you know, during the commute, we do have we we put music on or whatever. Hopefully, people are listening to the podcast, but we can. That's the time where you really you there's nothing you could do because you're sitting in traffic. Go through that mantra of "I am wonderful," "I am magnificent," "I," you know, um, "I'm perfect the way I am." I love who I am. Whatever, whatever that mantra is. So
2: um, I am I do, decent in heavy traffic. I don't. So I don't want to
1: burst. It's <laughs> <laughs> true, right? That's so true. Um, yeah, but I like that, and identify that you're having the negative thought, and that's okay. That's how we're programmed. But then shift it to that positive mantra. It really can be as simple as that. Um, Patricia, we are we're out of time. It always goes way too fast for me. Um, so thank you because that was very clear, and I I really love the show when my guests are able to give such clear, concise how-tos because I do I do believe that people want to change. We really just don't know sometimes how to change whatever that thing is that we're looking to, you know, um, feel better. I think it's really about a feeling better inside. So um, I love your two dependents. I thought that was very clear, the confidence versus what self-esteem is and then your solution of identify the thought, yep, I see you there, but you know what? No power today because I'm wonderful, I'm magnificent. And have your mantra um, starting with when, you know, your fit hit, hit the, the the ground in the morning when you get up. Yes,
2: have it ready because once you're already there, it's really hard to, to come up with it. So yes, that's it right. Go. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, isn't that a nice way to end your day too by doing the mantra in your head, which I do every night of all the things I'm grateful for, Um, But I'm going to include that now that I am, I'm I'm grateful, but now I'm going to also add that I am magnificent. I just love that word. I like it, I
2: Yeah, and then I could wake
1: up tomorrow saying I'm magnificent. So that is such a cool tip. Now, everyone, um, Patricia has a book. It's called Good With Me. So you could go to the website, www.goodwithme.com. And if you go through the website, you can buy autographed copies. You can also go to that website, download the first chapter for free, which is lovely. Thank you, Patricia, for doing that. And, okay. of course, you can buy you can buy the book on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, indie bookstores, electronic versions, et cetera, et cetera. So um, go get your copy because I think this is one of those books that we – Really need to read for ourselves, but also to start teaching this next generation, these kids, my kids, as an example, so that they develop the proper self-esteem, and then when they become managers, they're going to create a a more fluent or happier uh, workforce, right, Patricia? I think if if we could that's teach that right. for now,
2: that's right. We can't teach something that we can't role model, right? So if we have it, we can teach it. We can live it. And that's the easiest way to teach it is
1: be yeah. it. Yeah, be it. I, I love that. Just be it. Um, so, Patricia, thank you so much. Everyone, go buy your copy of Good With Me, uh, Good Read, and again, one of those books that I think we'll keep out, um, you know, on our nightstands or in our office where we look at it every day to remind us uh, to gain that, that self-esteem so that we are we are good enough. We're good with me. I just love that. Good with me. I love it. Um, so thank good. you again, Patricia. Great show.
2: Thank you. Loved being here. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. I hope
1: you guys will join me weekly as we question, build, and discover together how to grow and challenge ourselves so we all embrace change and realize that it's really easier than we think. Thank you again for joining me. You've been listening to Architect of Change with me, your host, Connie Whitman, on webtalkradio.net. Thank you so much and have an inspired week.
0: You've been listening to The Architect of Change with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Thank you for tuning in. We're glad you were here.